Let's go. What an awesome time today in God's house and his presence. Come on, you excited to be here today? I love it. Thanks, team. So great. Hey, you guys, we have a special treat today, a special honor. We get to hear from one of our best friends in the whole world, just an incredible woman of God, Jerusha Tanner. Her family is here, and I'm not going to make them stand up and embarrass them, but Ben is a legit hero. He's a fire captain up in Hillsboro. He's probably the most handsome dude. He's actually intimidating to hang out with. It's all, I mean, <laughs> normally I'm the most handsome guy in the room, but when Ben's around, it's... And uh, just an awesome man of God. He's a full-time fire captain, and he works at the church serving. So no excuses, anybody. Come on. And uh, they're awesome sons, Hudson and Jaden, who are legit leaders, incredible young men of God raising up, and they love the trailblazers and the ducks. They got to run around on the field with the ducks yesterday. That was fun, huh? We were literally running around with the ducks. Like, I'm not joking. We were running around with the ducks. Noah Sewell was chasing these guys around. It was awesome. But uh, Jerusha is going to be sharing with us today, and she is incredible. You know, it's, it's rare to uh, connect with somebody who is incredibly intelligent, but also incredibly humble, uh, who's incredibly strong and is a leader, but also carries such a grace for people and a love for people. And so we love Jerusha. She has been a great voice in our life, uh, speaking into us, encouraging us, not just as a, as a couple, Bethany and I, and as friends, but, but to our church. Um, many of you got to hear her dad, Pastor Jesse, spoke here a couple months ago did, in the Starving series. That's Pastor Jerusha's dad. And uh, they're just an incredible family. And, uh, you know, if you've known somebody for more than 20, 25, it's probably been like 25 years or more that we've known each other. Um, not only is she gifted, but she has character and integrity, which matters much more uh, in the long run of things, doesn't it? Integrity and character and going the distance, uh, a real heart for people, a real heart for Jesus. And she's going to share with us today. So, Jerusha, come on up. Let's give her a warm welcome. Good morning, Joy. How are you? I loved being at your huddle this morning and you go, one, two, three, Joy. And I'm like, wait, they get to do that every Sunday. And I think what our world needs a lot more of is Joy. <laughs> Man, the last couple years we've had, and you know what? Can I just say we're amazing because we all live in Oregon and we still live in Oregon. <laughs> I don't know if Eugene was like this, but where we were, I mean, my best friends in the whole world who I had grown up with my whole life, they moved to Texas. And it feels like everybody moved to Texas or Arizona or Florida. I'm catching a theme there. It's called sunshine. A few people went to Idaho, but I think it's sunny there too. But we're here and we stayed. And you know what? I believe in this hour, God wants to do something in Oregon. And I believe God wants to do something in Eugene slash Springfield, right? For you Springfieldites out there, we were talking about that in our drive-in. Is it Eugene or Springfield that their church is in? What do you, let's take a vote right now. Is your church in Eugene? Is your church in Springfield? Okay, Springfield. Okay, I get it. I see the bride. But it is just an honor to be here. And I believe I just have some thoughts for us from God. Uh, Jake and Bethany, it is just such an honor to be your friend. Uh, honestly, you were like, come speak for us. And I'm like, wait, can we just come hang out? Like, we're okay just hanging out. My boys were like, this is the 
best vacation ever. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like, we're kind of doing work, but I love that you think we're on vacation. So we just honor you. You are both crazy intelligent, which I love crazy intelligent people, but you're so dang kind <laughs> and you're just enjoyable to be around. So we just honor you. We honor what God is doing here. This is a beautiful place to be planted. This is what your life gets to look like. And I want my life to look like this. These are good shepherds to sit under. So uh, this week was kind of a weird week up in the Portland region. Uh, I would say the last couple of years have been a weird season in the Portland region. If you ever think about us, if you could just offer prayers for us, that would be great. But I got a text message from a really good friend of mine who is a, a farmer in our area. And she said, hey, a good friend of ours was driving down a road and stopped and talked to somebody. This is in the country area and ended up getting shot and killed. I don't know the full details based on what she's saying. It was definitely um, racially charged, but I wasn't there. Like, they're not releasing things. I just am getting this text message. And I'm in, I'm in a group message with a whole bunch of people. And I get this, and it, it kind of lands weird on my heart, as it should. And then I'm in a meeting the next day, and somebody's like, did you know that yesterday... At the same time, three places across our city, there were shootings at the exact same time. And I started thinking about the passage in Romans 8 that says creation is eagerly anticipating the revealing of God's sons and daughters. That it's actually waiting in expectation and hope for God to free us from the decay that sin and death have brought upon us. And it was funny because I'm, I'm in these text message streams and then it was interesting because we started actually in this group message praying along those lines and we started saying, God, would you reveal your sons and daughters in this time like never before? And people of God, joy, I believe that God is eagerly longing and anticipating the revealing of his people in this hour. And I believe that if we're looking at what God's doing, even stuff that's happening with famous church people all over the place, it seems like, can I tell you some really good news? I believe we are in a season where God is getting ready to end barrenness. I remember uh, when... I had had my son Hudson, and before I had had my sweet boy Jaden, uh, I was pregnant and I miscarried our baby. And I did not physically miscarry well. Um, I went through a couple months where my body just, it wasn't doing good. My emotions weren't doing good. I was struggling. All I wanted more than anything was a baby, and I had lost that baby, and it felt really dark and hopeless. And uh, at that time, I had a really good friend, and she had been trying to have a baby for over five years. And anybody who's walked through seasons of barrenness or walked with someone through seasons of barrenness, you know just how heart-wrenching that is. And so uh, we were quite the pair in that moment. And I remember this lady from 
Bogota, Colombia, came to our church. And it was like one of those church services that was three hours. So, you know, good things come to those who sit through three-hour services. <laughs> Thank goodness, though, you guys get good things here without the three-hour services, right? Amen. Uh, and so she just gets up and she starts prophesying. And she says that this is a season of fruitfulness for this house. And I believe today that God wants to heal infertility, that there's some of you sitting in here who've miscarried babies and you're gonna get pregnant instantly. And you know, when the prophetic word comes like that, anybody else like a little bit of like, okay, sure, sounds good. Do it, God. And then you leave and you don't think about it, right? So then she starts prophesying. She is getting so bold and she's like, for the next nine months, you are going to have person after person after person getting pregnant. You're gonna have baby after baby after baby being born. Amazing, awesome, service ended, three hours, we were all ready for lunch, right? So I don't think anything of it. And then I get pregnant. And actually, my conception date, supposedly from the doctor, is the very day of that service. My friend, who couldn't have a baby, gets pregnant. Same date as that service. Actually, there ended up being four of us in the same hospital, one of us in a different hospital who all gave birth to a baby within five days of one another. It was crazy. Like we were literally high-fiving one another as we're leaving, like we're pulling out of the hospital. We're like, go get it, yeah. She leaves, get high-fives the next person. And then something really extraordinary happened. It was like baby after baby after baby after baby was born. We were doing baby dedications like nobody's business. It felt like every Sunday we were dedicating multiple babies. Why? Because when God declares that it is the end of barrenness, that means something. See, if I get up here and say, hey guys, good news. It's the end of barrenness in Oregon. I'd like to be able to say that and that means something, but I believe in this hour, God is moving actually across our nation and he's saying now is the time for my church to be fruitful. Now is the time for my church to be the sons and daughters they were called to be. Now is the time for the revealing of God's new creation reality that he's been wanting to bring throughout time. And so I'm here to tell us some really good news, not based on who I am, but based on who God is. The end of barrenness is over. Does it feel like in your life you keep hitting a wall? Does it feel like the promises that have laid dormant for years, they're not worth remembering? They're not worth pulling up? Can I tell you, this is a season that God wants to come and breathe on those things and he wants to bring them back to life. Even like it's a resurrection season, I believe this is a season of God's promises being resurrected in your homes, in this church, and in our state. If you would open with me to Genesis chapter 18, and we're going to look at an end of barrenness moment for Abraham and Sarah. I love Abraham and Sarah. They are just such a hot mess that it just gives me so much hope. You know why I read the Bible? So that I feel so much better about myself. Anybody else there? Man, I read the Bible and I'm like, wow, God, I'm so great. Like, you actually probably think I'm okay. I'm probably doing better than I think I am. 
So just a little bit of context. Right before this, God's going to come to Abraham. He's going to for a second time. It's like Abraham doesn't get it, right? He's going to come and he's going to change his name. And it's not just going to be Abram. And it's not just going to be Sarai. It's going to be Abraham and Sarah. With a name like Jerusha, you know I like that. We actually want, well, I actually wanted to name our firstborn son Abraham, and my husband's name is Benjamin, and my name's Jerusha, and my husband thought that might be misrepresenting ourselves. I don't know. (laughs) So he comes to him, changes their name, and then he says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son named Isaac. Your heir is not Ishmael, who came through Agar. Your heir is Isaac, and he's on the way. So this is the background for the story. They've now been waiting 25 years for a baby. Abraham's 100. Sarah's 90. Let's all just say it together. Impossible. Man, I, I honestly... When that Saturday they said masks off, that two-year period of time felt like eternity, right? That ain't nothing. This is 25 years. Jesus, help me. I need your grace. I don't know if I'm a 25-year girl. Yes, I am. I could do it. Okay, here we go. It starts out and it says this, and the Lord appeared to him by the oaks as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. So Abraham's one of those people that God appears to. But I'm struck by this thought. Abraham is sitting at the door in the heat of the day. I am a type A, get it done kind of girl. I like my task list. I have a task list for every single day. I had a task list for how I was going to approach this morning, getting ready to communicate to you. It started at 4.30, but I didn't want to wake up my husband and my boys. So I actually woke up at 4 and laid in bed till about 4.20, jumped out of bed, got out of the hotel so I wouldn't wake them up, right? I'm that kind of a person. I'm constantly in motion. I'm constantly wanting to achieve. And here I'm catching a glimpse of something that I think is easy to forget. God wants to appear to me. But if I'm doing this, I'm probably going to miss him. Here's Abraham. God has just promised him, now is the moment. He's not busy trying to make the moment happen. He's watching and he's waiting because he senses God is about to do something. Can I tell you, people of God, I think God is looking for some men and women who are not busy doing, but busy watching and waiting. And this is what I believe when we watch and when we wait, God arrives. So it goes on and it says this, when he, he lifted up his eyes and looked And behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. He bowed himself to the ground. He says this, he says, Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, 
do not pass by your servant. Reminds me in Exodus 33 and 34, the children of Israel, they've blown it with the golden calf. They're in trouble. God's not happy. Moses isn't happy. And what does he do? He goes to God and he says, God, I know we've blown it, but if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to leave here. I feel like Abraham is like that pre-Moses moment. And he's like, God, if you're not going to come through with the promised son, I'm not going anywhere. I don't want to do this anymore. I've tried it in my own strength. It's not working. Hagar, Ishmael, that was a fail. Abimelech, that was a fail. I'm watching and I'm waiting because now, God, it's time for you to work. It's time for you to do your thing. And he's telling God, he's saying, hey, I don't want you to leave here without visiting me. I don't want you to leave here without touching my life and fulfilling your promise. In Exodus 34, what does God do after that request from Moses? The Bible says that he passes, same word there, he passes by Moses with his compassion with his slow to angerness, with his mercy that goes to thousands of generations. We get caught up on the visiting the iniquity for five generations. Think about that. Sin only getting visited five generations, but his mercy extending for thousands of generations. I want that kind of attitude in me. I want to be a woman who's found watching, waiting. And you know what happens? God always arrives. It goes on and it says this, let a little water be brought, wash your feet, rest yourselves, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on. After you visit me, then you can pass on. Since you have come to your servant, they said, do as you have said. And then Abraham, he goes into motion. He's like, quick, hurry, do this. Why? Because he gets it. God isn't coming to his house for no reason. He's there to do something. He's there to fulfill what he promised. He's there to end the barrenness that has been spoken, that is happening over their life. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm inviting us. Do you know what we should be doing every single morning? We should be watching. We should be waiting. There should be an anticipation in us. God, you're getting ready to move in Oregon. God, you're getting ready to move in Eugene. God, God, you're getting ready to move in Springfield. I want to see what you're about to do. I want to see how you're going to do it. And then when he arrives, we're like, God, stay here. Don't go somewhere else. Don't go to another church. Don't go to other people. Stay here. Let your presence pass before us here. Let your presence be among us here. God is looking and waiting for men and women who are watching and he arrives. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah 40, where it says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Do you know that word wait? What it's a picture of is a frayed rope. That's no good. 
You can't use it. You can't do anything with it. But as it's set before the presence of the Lord, it begins to be strengthened and rebraided, and all of a sudden it's good for use. People who wait on the Lord find their lives rebraided. They find strength to not just walk, but run. They're running so fast, they look like they're eagles soaring. So then, they're eating, they're having a great time, and the Lord says this in verse 9. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. I'll add something here. Where the women belong, right? Uh Uh-oh, did I say that? The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. This is so funny, the way the Bible says things. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed, ha, 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 to herself, saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure. Can I tell you, God wants to end barrenness and he wants to take and transform our listening into laughter. Sarah gets a bad rap. She's like kind of painted as a cynical, wrinkly old lady. But you know what I think is happening here? I think Abraham told her, God came and visited me. God came and spoke to me and said, Sarah, now is the time that the fulfillment of the prophecy and the promise is coming true. We're going to have this baby that God's been promising us. And I think Sarah was like, okay, God, okay, maybe this is the time. And you know what? I just think this picture is incredible. I think it's actually a picture we're all supposed to lean into. It's not appropriate for her as a woman to listen in. It's not appropriate for her to eavesdrop. But don't you see the tent wall there? And she's standing there and she's got her ear real close. And they're probably talking pretty quiet. And there she is and she's listening. Why? Because she senses too, along with Abraham, that this is the season that the barrenness is about to be over. Man, I think God is in the fire. I think God is in the wind and the storm. I think God is in the earthquake. But actually, he's in the still, small voice. And for those who will listen in and get real close, you know what they're going to hear? The barrenness is over. See, even watching, and I don't want to judge, this is not that, but even watching what's happening with Brian Houston and Hillsong, you know what it just invites me as a leader and a pastor to do? Stop doing and start being and get real close 
and listen in because what I can do is not very impressive, but what he can do is everything. It's interesting because the Lord stops the conversation for the eavesdropping Sarah. He hears her laughter and he says this. He says, why did Sarah laugh? This is kind of amazing. There's a woman eavesdropping on a conversation and the Lord stops everything for her. Think about the story in the New Testament, the woman with the issue of blood, right? Jesus gets off the boat and Jairus comes and is like, my daughter just died. I need you right now. And instantly Jesus is in motion. Him and the whole crowd of people are moving as fast as they can to Jairus's house. But somewhere in the middle is this desperate woman. She's had an issue of blood for years upon years. She's gone everywhere. She can't get help anywhere. And the thought is she was actually waiting for Jesus. She was waiting for him to get off the boat. And the crowd is so enormous. Think a Ducks game here, right? You know, they're crowding in to get on the field. So the thought is she actually got down on her knees and began to crawl her way to Jesus and grabs the hem of his garment. And what does Jesus do? She, she's got her healing. He doesn't need to stop. He says, wait, who touched me? She's like, me. Woman, your faith has made you well. Do you this morning feel any place of desperation in your life? Maybe you got a diagnosis. Maybe you have a kid who's struggling. Maybe your marriage isn't where you want it to be. Maybe your finances aren't where you want it to be. Can I tell you this about our God? He stops for desperate. He actually stops for invisible. You know, my favorite part about being at the Ducks game yesterday was these sweet little babies. Ben and I were like, why do they look so much younger? I don't remember duck athletes looking this little babies. They are, quote unquote, on their way to being big deals. A couple of them are gonna make it to the NFL. Do you know the power when they stopped for an insignificant kid who meant nothing? Some of them, without the kid asking, this one boy was like, it's my birthday. and. Noah handed him his football glove. Wow, what a picture. They ain't got nothing on Jesus. He stops everything. And he says, Sarah, why did you laugh? This is where she gets the bad rap. But do you know the name Isaac? means he laughs. See, she didn't know it, but her laughter at the irony, at the impossibleness of the situation, she was actually joining God's laughter at barrenness. How do you think God feels about barrenness? 
How do you think he feels about the promises not being fulfilled in your life? How, how do you think he feels about the situation going on in your life? You know what he does? He, he fills his lungs with his resurrection power and he begins to laugh a resurrection laugh. And I don't think Sarah realized it, but she was joining in with that resurrection laugh. And in a way, she was prophesying to her own future, Isaiah 54. Sing, O barren, you who have not born children, rejoice. People of God, when I'm looking at what's happening in my city, I mean, in our church this last couple of years, we've had person after person get diagnosed with crazy things. People in their 30s and 40s. I'm walking with two women right now. One is 37, one is 40, through crazy cancer diagnosis. Uh, my mom's best friend, her granddaughter, who is in her 30s, died of skin cancer a couple days ago. You know what that makes me want to do? Shrivel up in a ball and just sleep it away, right? Netflix it away. Go on enough vacations. But you know what the invitation from God is? Will you join with the song I'm singing over creation? Will you join with the song I'm singing over your church? Will you join with the song I'm singing over your family? You know what that song is? It's a song of joy. It's a song of deliverance. It's a song of liberty. It's a song of healing. See, the end of barrenness is over, but sometimes we forget that that's the reality of what God has done for us and worked for us in the resurrection. And so we look at things and we're like, God can't do it. Yes, he can. So then this is God's response to our, our friend, Sarah. Sarah. Verse 14, is anything too hard? Is anything impossible for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. See, when God declares the end of barrenness, what he declares over us and our situation is that the impossible becomes possible. And something incredible is happening here because Luke's going to pick up on this theme when he begins to announce the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus. We have another really old lady having a baby. That seems to be a theme with God. Can I tell you if you're in here and you're not 18 anymore, God still has need of you. It's kind of a major theme of scripture. He actually comes to the people who've walked with God a really long time and he says, hey you, now is your appointed time, but I have gray hair, uh-huh, now is your appointed time. Elizabeth's too old, Mary's too young, Mary's not even married, Angel's like, ain't no thing. Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. You're going to have Jesus. Anybody else with me? That is still the most confusing part of the Bible. Like, please, somebody help me understand overshadowing. But okay, it's for another day. And what you see is that our God makes the impossible 
impossible. You feel too young, you feel too old, you feel too short, you feel too fat, you feel too stupid, you feel too ugly, you feel too clumsy. Yeah, you feel too loud, you feel too quiet, you feel too scarred, you feel too scared, you feel too timid, you feel too shy. Can I tell you, you are in good company. Because this isn't about what I can do. This isn't about what you can do. We can't do anything. This is about what our God can do. And you know what our God can do? He can speak to old, tired wombs and bones and promises. And he can say, live again. And he can say, be born. And it happens. That's the kind of God we have. Okay, Oregon. Is anything too hard for our God? Okay, Portland. This one's hard for me. Guys, just come visit us. Drive the streets of downtown Portland. It is not pretty. Wow. What if I'm just walking on land that's destined for the appointed time and God's just waiting for some sons and some daughters who are going to start walking the streets of Springfield and say, come on, Springfield, it's time to level up. You're going to rival Eugene. People aren't going to say, can anything good come from Springfield? They're going to be like, only good comes from Springfield. It's time, people of God. Creation is groaning. If you listen really close, you can hear it. If you turn on the news, you can hear it. Our God makes the impossible possible. A scripture I keep coming to these days. I, I can't shake it. It's found in Haggai chapter 2. And it says this, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. I have so many conversations with baby boomers, and they'll be like, ah, oh, the Jesus people movement. And I hear about that, and I'm faced with people in my generation deconstructing at this rapid pace. And I'm like, oh, God, look at every, every week it seems like a new mega pastor's going down. Your house doesn't look very glorious. And then Zechariah prophesying at this very moment, he says this to Zerubbabel, and I believe he says it to us, the church now. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. This is the word of the Lord to you. This is the word of the Lord to joy. 
not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It is indeed the end of barrenness, but it's not by what our hands can work. It's not by the thoughts our brain can think. It's not by the right pickup garbage scheme for Portland. It's actually not by the right plan to deal with homelessness. It's actually not by preaching the right things or saying the right things. It is by the Spirit of the Lord. And I don't know what you're facing, but you're human. So this I know you're facing something. I know what I'm facing. And I want to be like Abraham. I want to be watching. I want to be like Sarah who gets a bad rap, listening. And then I want to let the Lord speak out over my life, my situation, my city, my state, my church, my life, my boys, my husband. hope you hear it today. The spirit of the Lord is in this room and he's saying, my might, my power, my spirit, possible. It's possible. Lift your head, lift your hearts. Our God who works the resurrection raises his son from the dead, who has him seated in heavenly places, declares over you today, it's the end of barrenness. That was so excellent. You know, Pastor Jerusha was talking about a God of miracles. And maybe the most incredible miracle that God has ever done for you and I was sending his son, Jesus, making a way for every single one of us to be able to be back into a relationship with God, our creator. And you know, when we, when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about him living a perfect life, him dying on the cross, him raising from the dead, he didn't do those things so that you and I could get a get out of hell free card, right? It wasn't just so that we could say a prayer and then we could just, you know, make sure that we're, we're good. No, the point was for humankind to realize there is a God. He made me. And when I come under him and say, you are God, he shows me the way that he created me to live. He gives me a reason for the, the, way, the reason I'm here on earth. And maybe you're here in this room this morning and you don't know Jesus. We wanna give you an opportunity to meet him. We wanna give you an opportunity to say, God, I recognize that you are real and I wanna live my life for you. So if everyone in this room, if you would just bow your head and close your eyes, we don't do this, um, you know, because it's, it's magic or we don't do this as a way to uh, embarrass you. We really just do this so that you have a moment to focus on God. Focus, listen to his voice. And if you're in this room and you say, I don't know the Lord, I don't know Jesus, would you just lift up your hand 
Right now, if you say, hey, I want to know him, I want to give my life to him, would you just lift up your hand right now? It's just a way for you to say, God, I'm putting my faith in you. I'm doing this physical act, right? You, you could walk out of this room if we said thank you. If we said just, just you know, in your mind, put your faith and trust in him, you could walk out of here and, and think, oh, nothing really happened. But when you lift up your hand, you'll remember, no, that time I lifted my hand and I was changed. Is there anyone else in this room? You say, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Just lift up your hand right now. What we're going to do right now is we're going to say a prayer. It's not magic. It's just a way for you to verbalize that you're putting your faith in Jesus. So if everyone in the room, if you'll just repeat after me, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you, God, for being a miracle working God. Thank you for sending your son for me. Thank you for living a perfect life for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you, God, for raising Jesus back up from the dead. God, I put my faith in you. I've done wrong. I've messed up. But God, now I'm giving my life to you. Will you help me know you and walk like you? In Jesus' name, amen.